is the color? Welcome to the FPL Blues Podcast. We're your hosts, Brian and Bucks. Brian, how are we doing today? Tis the season of many fixtures, Bucks. We're doing a quick podcast on Sunday night because we have games midweek starting on Tuesday. I am beyond excited to hopefully turn my luck around after a couple of tough weeks in a row. But hey, that's that's what the, the holidays bring. Hopefully some cheer and some green arrows. Absolutely. And as Brian mentioned, we are looking at a quick turnaround sub 48 hours until the next game week kicks off. There are Tuesday fixtures. There are supposed to be three of them, but there was also supposed to be 10 matches this weekend and there was only nine. So there's not only a lot of fixtures, but there's a lot of chaos right now in the Premier League and therefore also in the FPL game. Yeah, Bucks, I think we're all hoping for some news on the Manchester United fronts because there was a COVID outbreak on their training ground. So they shut it down. And so it's a very complicated situation for all these teams right now. And uh, we're hoping that everyone stays healthy and safe, especially those who are in our FPL sides. Man United have the COVID scare. Spurs had a real serious situation with their first team. They had about 20 coaches and players combined who had the virus. So just a reminder how important it is to not do early week transfers. I mean, Ronaldo, he scores in game week 16. He looks spectacular uh, on that penalty. He just stepped up, smashing it home. There was never a doubt on that. But if Manchester United don't play and maybe Tottenham don't play, you know, that's a uh, serious considerations for FPL points, just sitting on the bench, sitting on the sideline. So FPL managers, be warned, be patient, if at all possible. Yeah, Buck. So let's jump into it with our team sheets. How did you fare in game week 16? I believe you had the top score out of both of us. Yeah, I, I did pretty nicely this game week. I took a hit for a minus four that brought my total of 80 down to a net 76. That earned me a 13,000 spot green arrow up to 31K overall. Thank you. And uh, I was rewarded more for patience than for the moves I made. Dennis and, and Bomo in the Friday fixture. And I was just, Hell yeah. wow. I was flying. I was flying after that. My two budget options each earned nine points. Uh, it's exactly how you want to start an FPL game week. And I basically covered my transfer moves just with those players who weren't even coming in or going out of my squad. So that was, that was awesome to see. And then, you know, Sala, he continues to deliver. He gets a, really, he gets the assist and the goal, but he steps up after earning a penalty kick. He smashes that home. So he ends up on 16 points. Surprisingly, doesn't get any bonus. Can't speak about that. Ramsdale with 11 points. He's a brick wall and an legend. Absolute, absolute legend for Arsenal right now. Trent Alexander-Arnold and Tony Rudiger each add nine points in my defense. Cancelo gets seven points. And then Bernardo Silva, one of my new acquisitions, ends, ends the scoring with six. So pretty strong showing from a number of players across my side. Yeah, and that's not to mention that you had Vardy not feature versus a 4-0 win versus Newcastle, right? So that's a very respectable score. I know you were hoping for a couple more points. But overall, when you take a hit and still end up on basically a 25% green arrow, uh, considering where your overall rank is in the world right now, Bucks, huge weekend. Congrats again. Yeah, I'll take it. And honestly, I, 
the Vardy situation is is a bummer because there was a penalty kick awarded to Leicester, and you have to imagine that if he's on the field and you know he's been in great form, all things considered, this season, and you know he would have been the one to snatch that ball and probably put it in the back of the net just like Yuri yep, Tillman did. So getting the zero, thank God I had Josh Brownhill come off my bench for one point. You know, better to come off your bench for one point than to be in a spot like me where you had seven points sitting in your first bench slot. No. So uh, I ended up, I ended up on 67 points, a 5k, a minuscule 5k red arrow. So perfectly happy with that. I think there's a lot of kind of turmoil going into this week. Again, I downgraded sun taking out one of my best assets. So I was not expecting uh, too big of a score this week, to be honest, because I currently have three point, 8 million or so in the bank. So uh, looking at my team, Ramsdale, I think it's just one of those situations where we've pretty much found our Emmy Martinez of last, of last year. And that that's huge. He really agreed. Does well Great on job. bonus, does well on bonus. He started at 4.5, which was underpriced considering Arsenal is typically a top eight side. So you're never going to get that kind of value uh, at, at the keeper position. He's continuing to make tons of saves. And they looked very good against Southampton. So 11 points is huge. I think the the tough part I had going into the game week was obviously making my transfers. I picked Josh King instead of pod partners, Dennis, you know, a little bit for the sake of being different. So we have some difference in our teams, but uh, this one, definitely this round, first round goes to Dennis. He outscores King by seven. And so that one was tough, but just the moments before, Dennis scored his header, which is, you know, he's a little guy. He was basically had to jump on top of his own mustache to give him, give himself a boost to get into <laughs> that header. But yeah, five, eight, he, um, he, uh, he sprung up there, but just before that, to set up that corner and set up that set piece, Josh King, uh, hit the post and went wide. So that, that was, that was a tough kind of sequence of events to think about what could have been overall. I think that. I have 3.8 million in the bank. So when we get the transfer thoughts later, I have some situations I need to upgrade. I do have Jota and I started him this week. So I was hoping that the muscle injury was, you know, very minor. And it turns out, you know, it was, he came on, played 30 minutes in the weekend match for Liverpool, but I really backed Chelsea defense in a big way. Once again, I started Alonzo and I started Reese James and I benched Rafinha, put him in my first bench slot. And he uh, gets awarded a, a penalty kick and he converts it. And he, he's just a cool customer. And I know I was thinking about taking Rafinha out at this point. I'm just going to you know hold on to him because I think he's a season keeper for me. So it's just unfortunate those points are on the bench. So if I would have had those six additional points, maybe I'm close to 73 and on a, a green arrow instead. So overall, let's, uh, let's keep it moving and head into game week 17. Yeah, just want to mention Dennis with his nine-pointer. He becomes the top-scoring forward in the entire FPL game with 84 points. And he's... Insane. He, it's insane because he's 5.8 million. He could rise another couple times and he'd still be solidly a budget option. He's just outperforming all the advanced stats, but he really passes the eye test in a, in a serious way. Oh, man. This this Dennis the Menace. We got to we gotta send him to... You uh, love him. We love him. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for him to get out of my life and head off to AFCON and then have Josh King be the only striker at Watford. Uh, so that that's what I'm hoping for in a couple of weeks time. <laughs> well, some managers that we want to highlight that had their hopes and prayers answered in this game week, 
Dennis Horn is the manager of the game week for the FPL Blues podcast, Super League. Once again, Dennis and his side, Denmark one, go super differential and are rewarded. His midfield just absolutely blew it out of the park. He had Salah captain for 16 points. He had Connor Gallagher and Jorginho each drop. Oh, George. Absurd, an absurd, absurd, absurd outpouring of points. And Bernardo Silva rounds that out with six. So to get 52 points from your midfield is just bonkers. So that's the stuff of legend. Congratulations to Dennis and his team. And then also want to shout out, there was another manager who got in the 90s. That's Alec Roberts and his team, Cleacho Self. He made three transfers for a hit of minus four, and he brought in Cristiano Ronaldo, Mason Mount, and Bernardo Silva, which proved to be an absolute wow, power play. It. So he he was rewarded for a bold and big transfer move, and they all hauled. So 91 and 90 points. Pretty impressive. Congratulations to those two managers. Yeah, well done. 90 is, is very impressive. And bringing on Mason Mount, who I think is another player we'll talk a little bit more about who is in fine goal scoring form for Chelsea was a, it was a good call there. So I know a lot of people like yourself, Bucks went for Jared Bowen at West Ham instead, and they just put up a stink today. So that was a bit of a bummer, but well done by Alec. And uh, the game week average was 55 points. And, you know, I think on the previous episode, Bucks, we were kind of expecting to be around 70 points this game weekend. I was three points under and you were six points over. So I think we were going to see a couple more goals this midweek. Um, and, and what's really important to to note is that we're going to see some teams at the top of the table who have depth, who are going to be able to handle a little bit of rotation, whereas some of these bottom feeders in the league, they don't have any other players to go to. So we could see some tired legs at the bottom teams, and that could really cause problems. And I'm really eyeing up this Liverpool versus Newcastle team with a Newcastle defense giving up goals left and right. I mean, this one could be a, a bloodbath, I'll be honest. I'm I'm kind of excited for uh, Murder, She Wrote. Yeah, that's a, that's a great shout. And also, it's, it's looking like Murder, She Wrote for manager Corey Cummings and his team, Pepe Pig, at the top of our mini league. He's now in the top 15K overall. He's at 13,000 in the world. Ooh. And he's leading the pack another game week in our podcast, Super League. So he's the one to to catch right now and he's really setting a strong pace with that i think brian i'm ready to take a short break refill the water maybe have a quick drink and when we return let's highlight the top point scorers from game week 16 all right let's take a look at the top of the charts four points in game week 16 bucks we had a lester duo the dynamic duo in the midfield both Yuri Tielemans and James Madison put up huge hauls. We're seeing Yuri Tielemans with two goals, a clean sheet, and all three max bonus points for a total of 16. And then James Madison continues his fine form, a big differential that very few people have. He gets a goal, two assists, and clean sheet and two bonus. So this was a match where I know Vardy owners were expecting the Vardy party. I was on the outside of that party looking in, and I was quite happy to wake up to seeing him benched, but uh, the midfield gets it done. Yeah. A bit cynical there, but you know, when you're not a part of the Vardy party, you, uh, you want it to be a stinker. So uh, the midfield gets it done though. Would you, would you think, but between these two players? Oh man, Brian, I know you were celebrating and I was just absolutely miffed because 
Lester has a Vardy party and Jamie Vardy is the designated driver. He doesn't even make it onto the pitch. He's resting his legs and his body (laughs) to get everyone else home safe after they celebrate. They're drinking champagne. They're popping bottles. Four to zero, an incredible dominating performance from Lester over bottom side Newcastle. And Vardy's nowhere to be found uh, getting any of these FPL points. So that was uh, that was cruel punishment. He did play and look really strong in the Europa League. He scored a goal in that match. So this might have been expected, but he's just such a a monster up top for the Foxes that uh, I know FPL managers like myself were pretty bummed that he didn't even make a feature. Yeah, and taking a look at James Madison a bit more closely, I know we've talked about him a lot in the pod. We Neither of us have gone for him in our FPL sides, but in the last four game weeks, he has three double-digit hauls. And these double-digit hauls also are very explosive. He's got two 16-pointers in, in that run. So very impressive um, run from him. And I know they have some tough fixtures coming up, which would put us off of him. Game week 19 and 20, they play Manchester City and Liverpool back-to-back. But I think it's a player that we could definitely take a look at later on. Next up, Connor Gallagher. We mentioned him earlier. He ends up with 15 points from two goals and three bonus points. He just continues to look incredible. I think he's clearly distinguished himself as one of the best players in the Premier League, not just one of the best young players in the Premier League, but just one of the best overall consistent players. He plays going forward really strong. He tracks back. He just puts in great work effort, match in, match out. And he's really getting an amazing mentorship from his coach, Patrick Vieira, who was a longtime great midfielder in the Premier League. And that's almost a match made in heaven. He's a Chelsea boy. I can't wait to have him back in blue next season. Yeah, just a high motor, high energy player. We love that in FPL because he can go the distance. He can go all 90 minutes. And that uh, always helps. You know, he gets, he gets a late goal in stoppage time to add to his brace. You know, he stands out as a player that you start in easy fixtures and, you know, he's 6 million, so you can easily bench him. So I think uh, if you have him, it's, it's definitely a hold and user transfers elsewhere. So Im- impressive to see another Chelsea lad uh, out there in the world doing well. And a player who's actually still on Chelsea, Jorginho, he uh, quietly had an excellent game. He ends up with 15 FPL points as well. He gets two penalty kick goals for three bonus points. He really saved the day for Chelsea and what shouldn't have been, but what really was (laughs) a very, very touch and go match against Leeds. They end up getting the W and uh, Jorginho is really the hero on this day. Yeah. I think both of those penalty kicks were drawn by your defender bucks, Antonio Rudiger. Wow. Rudy, some, some terrible penalty kicks given away this week and i this is this is the most amount of pens that we've seen all season long and honestly a lot of them were just very foolish um it it was kind of crazy to see there be multiple games with multiple penalty kicks in that in those games so uh definitely a a situation where Jorginho owners somehow get a massive 15 point haul Uh, hats off if you own him I, i don't think he's a player that would ever make my team sheet Yeah, Dennis going different and being rewarded. Other players that we should highlight that also took penalties and therefore hauled in FPL, that was Cristiano Ronaldo, Raheem Sterling, Mo Salah, and Brian Mbomo. So there was tons of penalty kicks. 
it's a huge advantage to be able to get easy penalty points in that way. Uh, you know, we mentioned earlier, Rafinha, Tielemans also got that way, as did Jorginho. But just want to highlight one fun fact. This is something that might be burbling under the radar of FPL managers. And that is that Trent Alexander-Arnold gets max bonus again in game week 16, not Mo Salah, who earned and then scored the game-winning goal. Trent is now on 21 bonus points for the season, which is the most in the game. So he obviously is being outpaced by his teammate Mo Salah in total points, but Trent is just vacuuming up bonus points left and right. And often if Liverpool keep a clean sheet, he's the one being rewarded with max bonus. So that's something to monitor going forward. Yeah. And I will not be afraid to potentially captain Trent when Salah leaves the side. Uh, I think he's going to take on a, a few more shots from outside the box when AFCON comes around and Liverpool have to manufacture some goals in other ways. But yeah, he he just creates so many chances throughout the game that he really you know puts himself in a good position to earn baseline bonus, and that's where that keeps coming from. Absolutely, he's a uh, high floor and uh, exceptionally high ceiling kind of player. Yeah, and it's just uh, amazing that he's 22 years old. He's been a, a staple of my FPL team for at least almost four years now, wow. and he's got a huge career ahead of him. So uh, great to see Trent firing on all cylinders as well. Yeah, with that, let's look ahead to some of the matches in game week 17. There are midweek fixtures. Again, we need to highlight and really emphasize that the transfer window and the turnaround is super quick again going into game week 17. There are supposed to be three matches on Tuesday. We're recording this podcast Sunday evening here in the States. And with such a quick turnaround, there's not going to be a lot of training notes and updates from the managers. So really, you're going to have to be focused on updates from the news, from FPL Twitter, and from us. We'll be keeping you abreast of any COVID outbreaks and any injury reports And worth saying that, as we mentioned, Spurs have a match against Leicester. That is potentially in jeopardy because of all the Spurs players who are out with COVID. And Manchester United play Brentford, and that match now is potentially in jeopardy because of the COVID outbreak at Man United. So things to monitor, maybe it's worthwhile to ignore price rises and price drops to make sure that the player you're targeting or getting off of is in fact going to have a game or not in game week 17. Yeah, hundred percent. And, you know, a lot of managers already have thin benches because they own Jao Cancelo, who will miss out midweek because he picked up his, uh, his next yellow card. So he misses a match as well. So there's a lot of information to come, but uh, definitely in a state of flux. So make sure to make your transfers as close to the deadline as possible. And uh, Bucks, taking a look at these fixtures, on Tuesday, all start 15 minutes uh, after one another. That's very interesting to see this staggered approach rather than play them all at the same time. I wonder why that is. I don't think I've ever seen that before. I'm not happy about it. It's going to be very difficult to watch all three of them. Uh, Peacock and NBC Sports, of course, making it difficult for watchers (laughs) abroad. And I think all the matches should start at the same time or at minimum be 45 minutes uh, delayed so that you can be at halftime when the next match kicks off. That way you're getting to watch as much footy as humanly possible. Looking at the schedule. So 
three games are staggered by 15 minutes each on Tuesday. And it's the same thing on Thursday on Thursday with a staggered schedule. But then on Wednesday, the first three matches start at 1130 Pacific. It makes no sense to me. I, I don't see any rhyme or reason for that, but I don't know. Maybe we'll maybe we'll find that out uh, as we as we move along this game week. Listen, let's just be so lucky that we have 10 matches to watch this game week. Yeah, uh, that's true. The, that's true. The chaos from last season and for sure the season before is already starting to boil over into this season of FPL. And there's a lot to be monitoring regarding blank game weeks, double game weeks, and just COVID chaos that's still wreaking havoc on the Premier League and the world in general. So taking a look uh, just a little bit closer, what matches are you most excited for for your FPL team? So there's two standouts, I would say, this game week. The first, we already touched on earlier, but it's Newcastle, bottom of the table, traveling to Anfield to play Liverpool. I expect there's going to be goals galore in a very one-sided match. And this is the best offense in Liverpool facing off against the absolute worst defense in Newcastle. So feel a little bit for Eddie Howe and his team. He's the new coach. It's a classic something's got to give type of match. <laughs> yeah, the, um, the things that's going to give is the uh, the netting behind the Newcastle goal. <laughs> it's going to be absolutely battered by the end of this uh, match. Spot on, spot on. Next up, there's one other match that I think is pretty lopsided, and that's Leeds traveling to Man City. We have learned coming out of game week 16 that Patrick Bamford re-injured himself celebrating his late goal in game week 15. So that is just absolute pits for Leeds. I mean, they were finally getting their preferred duo of Rafinha and Bamford healthy at the same time. And all of a sudden, that doesn't exist anymore because Bamford's back in the training room. And even though Man City are going to be missing Jao Cancelo, I still expect that this is going to be likely a one-sided affair with most of the traffic going towards the Leeds goal uh, with Man City dominating possession and uh, their midfielders and attacking options having lots of chances for points. Yeah, the final match I want to shout out is West Ham versus Norwich. I think this could be a bounce-back performance for West Ham, who looked absolutely abysmal this morning, very lackluster and I know managers are starting to flock to the likes of Antonio once again and also Jared Bowen. So I will I will say something about Norwich. They have really shored up their defense. I've been impressed with them, you know, only giving up that pen to Manchester United over the weekend. That's been something that Dean Smith has done a great job in kind of turning that team around. But West Ham, again, they can score goals on anybody on their day. So I'm hoping for a few for our teams. Yeah, I wanted to echo what Brian is saying. I think that Norwich are no longer the whipping boys of the league. That's clearly Newcastle. And I'm impressed with the job that Dean Smith is doing. I think that was a pretty questionable penalty kick that was given to Ronaldo in the Man United Norwich match. I think that if that was, say, Fred that was appealing for the penalty for being dragged down (laughs) in the box, uh, that was not going to be given. And Norwich, honestly, they had some really good chances. And I think they probably earned uh, one point in a draw. Obviously, it's not meant to be, but I'm just really impressed with what that team and how hard they're playing, what they're achieving since Dean Smith came on board. Uh, And I think that the manager has got the right lineups uh, playing most of the minutes. So they look inspired, and I don't think that's as cupcake a fixture as we once thought it was. Definitely agree there, Bucks. All right, let's take a quick break here, and we're going to come back and answer community questions. We'll be right back. 
And we're back. Another game week and another set of incredible contributions from the FPL Blues podcast community. Want to thank you guys all again for submitting your questions. So let's dive into it. First one is from the league leader and current star manager of our mini league. That's Corey Cummings. And he asks, at what point do we start planning for AFCON? That is the African Cup of Nations, which is going to be taking place at the start of January all the way through early February. And that really means that game week 22 to 24 or 25, depending on how far these national teams progress, are going to be missing standout FPL players such as Mo Salah, Emmanuel Denis, Sadio Mane, Maxwell Cornet, among others. So, Brian, what's your take here? I think you should start to look at the road ahead and really evaluate if any of your transfers in are potentially at risk to go to AFCON, which I must say is an awesome uh, acronym for uh, a soccer cup, right? AFCON, it, it just sounds like very smooth and a uh, big, big fan of that one compared to some of the other random uh, EU FLs and whatever else we have out there. Far superior to CONCACAF, that's for sure. And uh, it actually Ooh, flows. CONCACAF. Ugh, that, that's a, that one's a mouthful. But yeah, I, I would definitely you know look at your team. Everyone has Mo Salah. He's going to open up a huge amount of budget in your side. But uh, you know it'll be interesting to see if Dennis also leaves, if he gets called up for Nigeria. But in general, I would be planning to avoid bringing on any players who might leave because we also have this whole COVID situation going on. And that can lead to a very, very thin to non-existent bench. And that's something that right now we're going to all have to address as managers. What do you think, Bucks? I agree. I think that the Premier League clubs have some influence over if the players can go or not, or I know they, they have a vote. So I wouldn't be making any decisions right now, fearing that your player is going to go. I mean, Cornette is injured, so he's kind of off the off the consideration, off the watch list. But I have Salah and I have Denny. I'm not planning to transfer them out, at least until I know for certain that AFCON is happening and that those two players are going. I'll kind of tackle it at that point in time. And AFCON actually kind of coincides with when some of the potential double game weeks might be starting to come about and blank game weeks. So, you know, I mentioned game week 24 and 25. Notably, AFCON is going on during that spell, but Chelsea right now are also set to have blank game weeks in both of those uh, match weeks. So just there's a lot of moving pieces, and I think there's still a lot of unknowns. I wouldn't be piling on players that are going to be going away for this competition, but I also wouldn't be uh, kind of rash transferring them out going into game week 17 with uh, still needing contributions from them for the rest of December. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And Bucks, I know Tottenham, they're rumored to potentially have two double game weeks at some point coming up in that kind of run between game week 21 and onward. So we'll pay close attention there, but I would love to, you know, downgrade Salah to Sun and then boom, smash, have a double game week. So keep that uh, in mind when you're making uh, your, your transfer uh, plans coming up. Next question is from Harrison Goodman. He asks, would you suggest prioritizing your transfers to ensure you have a playing bench with an ever rising COVID case situation. Bucks, I know we've always been talking about having kind of at least two playing bench players this season, but are we approaching maybe needing three? This is a really difficult situation. I think 
ideally you want to be using your transfers to make sure that you're getting players that are going to be seeing the pitch. But I think if your bench has a dead player, like a 4.5 million striker or a midfielder or defender, even who's now like out of favor and not seeing the field, the time to focus on upgrading them is now because we're going to need that cover as we have the outpouring of matches and the lack of minutes in the training room. So I think, you know, players like Scarlett who plays for Spurs, but never sees the pitch. I mean, he has to be upgraded to a player, even not that much more expensive, like Armando Broja, who's 5 million versus 4.5 million. I mean, better case scenario, you bring a player like Scarlett up to a player like Denny or King, who you know is going to be playing. But I think having dead players in our 15-man squad is no longer an option as we tick on through the festive fixtures. So, Buck's follow-up question to that, would you be taking a hit at any point to shore up your bench? Obviously, a lot of managers are really reacting very fluidly at the moment, so it's hard to plan when you're going to actually make that upgrade. So, for instance, when I look at my team, I have Shane Duffy, and I would love to get him to DeLow from Manchester United or a player in that 4.5 region that is going to play a lot of minutes. So at what point do you think we should take a hit to shore up our bench? And is that worth it? It's a great question. I think you're not the only one dealing with this situation. I mean, I have Ben Johnson who suffered an injury. He's 4 million on my bench. I think that if you're going to take a hit, you want to be bringing in a player who you're, if not playing that next game week after you take the hit is playing maybe the next one or two. So you want to be getting pretty near instant returns from that person. And my sense is that with COVID and rest being doled out around the league, that you're going to be rewarded pretty soon after making that transfer move. So if it's just one hit, I wouldn't be too scared about it. But if you're, if you need to take a minus eight or maybe take a minus four and hit two game weeks in a row, you're starting to veer into dangerous territory where you're just sacrificing rank for the sake of having a fully healthy squad. I think at that point, it's probably not worth it. Makes a lot of sense, Bucks. I will stay tuned to the team news to figure out if any further matches get canceled. But I know that's at least for my personal team, just trying to figure out if I need to upgrade because other players are just simply have their games canceled. It's a tough spot this season. Yeah, and it's worth highlighting that certain FPL managers are really getting punished by what's happening with COVID because managers who had Harry Kane, he missed a game, uh, or excuse me, he blanked, and then the game gets canceled. So they rash transfer off him to Ronaldo, and he returns against Norwich, but potentially he might now have a game canceled. So all of a sudden, you went from kind of having and being disappointed by a premium striker to having an potentially further being disappointed by that premium striker option. So a lot to consider and a lot to pay attention to as FPL managers this season. All right, Bucks, we have a question from Josh Moffat, who is a notable Liverpool supporter, but he asks, is Chelsea defense a thing of the past? And uh, this question had some um, expletives that we can't say on the podcast. Bucks, what is going on with Chelsea defense? Break it down. Where are you seeing all the problems? Because they gave up three midweek in Champions League, obviously a heavily rotated side. They give up two goals to Leeds. They, they haven't had a clean sheet in their last three. And uh, I don't think they've had a clean sheet since Chilwell got injured, actually. Yeah, that's four Premier League matches in a row without a clean sheet from Chelsea. And 
this was really supposed to be some easy fixture run. Uh, so this is really disappointing and concerning. I mean, you mentioned Chilwell's out. In addition to Chilwell, they're also missing N'Golo Conte and Mateo Kovacic. Those are really two staples and defensive rocks uh, in midfield that give the defenders cover on Chelsea. So there's just a lot of injuries. And I think what's highlighted is that Marcus Alonso as a straight swap replacement for Ben Chilwell, they're not even in the same universe, let alone the same category. I mean, Ben Chilwell is just a much more complete player front to back, whereas Alonso might offer some of the similar crosses and attacking play. He's just a step or maybe two steps slower going back uh, as he tracks back and having to actually play defense, which is his position. So you would think he has to play it uh, pretty often. So we're seeing some (laughs) weakness and it's worth mentioning that Chelsea, they have a lot of depth in their side, but they're becoming awfully thin at the back right now. I mean, Aspilicueta is, is not first choice anymore. And Tony Rudiger and Tiago Silva, Tiago Silva is 36. They're both logging a ton of minutes. So I expect that they might have the opportunity to get right in the upcoming short-term fixtures. They play Everton at home. Then they play Wolves and Villa away, followed by Brighton at home. I think those are four matches worthwhile to keep the Chelsea double up intact. But then after that, they face Liverpool at home and City away. So, and then, excuse me, worth mentioning, they also have two blank game weeks shortly after. So I would begin, <laughs> I would begin planning an exit strategy off the Chelsea defensive double up and for sure earmark a transfer to at least get off one of their players uh, going into game week 21. Yeah. Unless Damari Gray hits a rocket, I think we're going to clean Everton. I think they're pretty abysmal right now dealing with injuries of their own. Richarlison came off sub 60 minutes with a quote unquote uh, calf injury. He was fuming though, when he came off and uh, would not really look Rafa Benitez in the eye. So I think that's easily a game they, they could clean. And when you talk about Wolves, oh, Man, watching Wolves, I, I respect them because they keep shape and they, they really, they've done fantastic against Liverpool and City, giving up a single goal in each of those matches. But watching them from an outsider's perspective, I will be skipping all of their future matches that I don't have any FPL assets <laughs> in, Ouch. that's for sure. Sheesh. But yeah, just to add a little bit more color to what you're saying, I am getting a little bit frustrated, obviously, with owning Reese James, and he has really not done anything in the last four matches. So if you take a look at, you pull up his, uh, his point totals, you know, he has amassed one point in four game weeks, one single point. Good. No bueno, as they say, bucks. And, uh, I, I, I definitely am leaning towards spreading out my, my risk in the clean sheets, especially when we're going to have a lot of matches pile up and, Teams are just going to be prone to making mistakes. I mean, we saw Jorginho really give up two goals this season already from making simple mistakes, and that's caused us to lose clean sheets. So I think that can happen for any team. I would rather have defenders from a variety of teams. Just to be contrarian, I want to just run something by you before we go to the next question. And since I moved off Jota and I have money in the bank, one player that has caught my eye is a player like Andy Robertson and go maybe from a premium defender in Reese James, who has some been challenged the last month or so to maybe double up on Liverpool, who are just looking like they're they're obviously the best 
offensive team, but they've been looking really solid this season with the return of a healthy Virgil van Dyke. I just have been tinkering with how that looks. I mean, obviously that kind of continues the big at the back trend, but with all these midfield options that are more budget hitting and really returning in a big way, there is money that FPL managers feel pressed to kind of distribute in their side. So I think in a couple of game weeks, if Reese James doesn't start really looking back in form, that might be a kind of counterintuitive move to, in fact, go even bigger at the back. Just uh, something I wanted to throw out there. No, it could be interesting. And Robbo is 2.9% owned. He is expensive, 7 million, but in his last four matches, he's totaled 12, 7, 5, and 8. So he ends up on two bonus points versus Villa this week and gets the clean sheet. So he's a player that could definitely help you jump rank. I think it's just tough at the moment because I think if Jota is healthy, he's just such an explosive option that um, it's going to be tough to not have him. But definitely a good shout to potentially uh, have a differential like Robertson in your team. All right. Next up is a question from Kev Johnson, and he wants to know about Ronaldo. And I think a lot of our listeners also (laughs) wanted to ask about the GOAT CR7 with United's run of fixtures coming. Should we all be getting on board the Cristiano Ronaldo choo-choo train? Choo-choo. And related to this, and this is kind of my addition, but also Corey add this, as did Sonia from the FPL Blues podcast, we all want to know what to do with Jamie Vardy. Brian, what's your take here? So I've decided to go without Ronaldo. I think he's a great option if your team is set up where you can easily get him. He's a player that's going to take a lot of shots. He could have braced this weekend. And when Salah leaves, he will definitely be a good captaincy option. I am just a little bit hesitant in the sense that he's you know 12.5 million or so. It's a lot of money to invest in a player that you're not going to captain. So from a value perspective and a points per million, I don't know if he's worth it, right? Like I think like Delo is probably better value. Somebody that I shouted to a couple of our group threads during the game week and just seeing how United is set up right now, they, they really are grinding out these defensive performance and really evolving on the pitch under Ragnick. And I just don't see a ton of goals coming from, from Manchester United to justify his price tag. But if you have the money in the bank and you have that slot, he's he's a great pick. He's a great pick, just not for, for me. Yeah, I, I kind of disagree. I have Vardy, and uh, I think that the Leicester Spurs match is likely to be pushed, so Vardy might have a blank game week. I really wanted him to play in this Newcastle game. I mean, yum, yum. There were just FPL points falling left and right. It was like going out with a kid on Halloween, you knew you were going to get snacks at the end of the night, uh, just kind of rating <laughs> their, their collection. And I just think that Ronaldo has the potential to haul in any game. And he really wasn't so impressive in this Norwich match. And then all of a sudden, you know, he earns a penalty kick and of course he's delivering on that. So he's just a proven goal scorer. And I think he's the one player on United who is going to consistently be involved in the goals. And just on a totally related but separate note, Bruno Fernandes is having one of the worst FPL seasons from a player of his caliber that I think we've seen in a long time. Without penalty kicks and without penalties being called at a regular clip, he's really suffering. And he's kind of fallen totally off the mark uh, from a United perspective. And so Ronaldo seems like the guy to own. I mean, I'm going to be waiting and monitoring the COVID situation very carefully before making a transfer of Vardy 
to Ronaldo. But if I don't go that way, then I'm definitely going the other way, which is to maybe move off Vardy to bring in a guy like Antonio. And uh, unfortunately, Antonio really isn't lighting the world on fire at this point in time. Yep. All good points to consider moving forward. And it's Ronaldo. He's going to score goals. He's yeah. selfish. <laughs> it's great for FBL. He takes a ton of shots. The whole team is catering to his feet. That's all they care about at the moment. That's all that they're doing to set up. Obviously, Bruno is not shooting as much from outside the box, so he's trying to create for Ronaldo. Rashford has been playing up top next to him and just trying to feed the ball to him consistently. So it's a bit of a black hole, uh, which doesn't make United the, the most fun team to watch right now. But for FPL, you can fit him in your squad. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I, w- I just want to add something about the Rashford front. He had two clear chances where he wasn't looking for himself. He looked for Ronaldo. I think that's really frustrating for FPL managers who are looking at Rashford as a potential mid-priced or kind of mid-premium option in the midfield. He's Can't such a talent. He's such a talented player, but I think him and Mason Greenwood are going to be the most impacted by Ronaldo being at this club because they are really on the ascent. And they're young players who are not even close to entering the prime of their career. And they have so much growth and so much potential. And they're kind of just hamstrung by having such a all-consuming player uh, alongside them. And, uh, you know, clearly United just want to sell a shit ton of jerseys. So good on them for that. And they they got a result on the weekend. <laughs> we love that. I mean, let's shout out uh, our buddy, Eamon. He, he really believes that this has... Uh, shunted Manchester United's growth as a team um, in a big way. And I, I I definitely agree with him. You know, when you look at Sancho, very young player, Rashford, Greenwood, these players aren't doing very much growth. And that that's tough long-term. But short-term, those jerseys are flying off the racks and uh, Manchester United's uh, printing some money. Next up, Nick Buckholtz asks, is having three defenders from the same team a sign of insanity? I'm going to just take this, Brian. I think if we feature a goalie and one defender, that is plenty. So I think having three from the same team, yes, Nick, that is insanity. It's just the experience of watching your clean sheet get wiped and then you just have all twos or all ones across your back line. Nobody wants that. So try and avoid that if you can. And, right, de- and definitely is, and definitely don't do a Chelsea triple up at this point in time. That looked so much better just four short weeks ago, Bucks. But anyway, moving forward here, let's take a look at the next question from Kev and Dan Eisenberg. Who are the best priced midfielders right now? Let's rank some players, Bucks, in that kind of six to eight million pound range. You know, he's thinking of a replacement for Gundawan who's currently 7.3 million. How would you rank the top five watch list right now for midfielders, Bucks? So this is going to be a little controversial and we took price and upcoming fixtures into consideration. So my list is I have Jota number one, he's 8 million. I have Bernardo Silva number two, he's 7.7 million. And then I have his lines mate, Phil Foden number three, he's 8 million. So slightly more expensive and potentially slightly more attacking, but I just think Bernardo Silva is absolutely in fuego right now. So hard to go for the more expensive linesman uh, who's not getting as many minutes as Bernardo Silva. 
Number four. Yeah, plus it was great to it was great to bring in Bilva this week. You know, Bucks both of I both of us moved to bring him in and instantly returns a solid six pointer. That's something that he just always so consistent and he's not injured. And that that's why I would rank I would agree with that rank of Silva over Foden at the moment as well. Yeah, big availability being ability is uh, is very true with Bernardo Silva right now. Number four for me is Jared Bowen. He is the cheaper option in this bunch. He's 6.5 million. It's just the fixtures. I mean, you look at the West Ham matches that are upcoming and outside of this Arsenal game, it's like good match, good match, good match, good match. So I really think that he has a chance to haul and he's playing arguably out of position as kind of the de facto second forward playing off Mikel Antonio. And then for me, Mason Mount is number five. He's 7.6 million. He's just hauling match in, match out. And he looks like he's really in the form of his life. I think now that he's fully fit, he's locked up a spot in the Chelsea attack and he looks great. For me, honorable mention sitting just on the outside, James Madison, he's 6.7 million. The reason he's not in my list is because he might not have a match this game week. So if you're making that transfer move, you probably are going to want him to play and feature. So that's tough. And then he has Manchester City away and Liverpool at home in game week 19 and 20. So that's a tough couple fixtures uh, you need to be planning for as you make your transfer move. And next honorable mention is Connor Gallagher. He's 6.1 million. Uh, I think the Crystal Palace fixture run is just absolutely delicious. And He's a player who's has been featuring and, and providing returns even in the tough matches. So he's at the price. At Great six, value. Yeah. 6.1 million. You can kind of leave him on your bench in a match that you feel a little icky about and still be expecting that he's going to get 90 minutes and potentially even come off for a surprise return. Yeah, Bucks. And I would also throw Rafinha into that mix. He's the talisman of Leeds. And he's been scoring a ton of goals this season, still without Bamford. So he's honorable mention just because their next three, they face a murderer's row. Obviously, he got points versus Chelsea, so that mm-hmm, was huge. Mm-hmm. But still facing the likes of Manchester City, Arsenal, and Liverpool in the next three. So he's a player that will come into your minds in a couple of game weeks. But I love that he's nailed and he... He does everything for them. So I'm happy to own him and I'm just going to hold on to him during uh, this uh, stretch here. Yeah. And worth adding that Rafinha now seems to be on penalty kicks. So uh, that's uh, obviously a great asset and a, I mean, arrow to have in your quiver when you're looking to get FPL points, however they come about. So that's uh, that's a good point. And both of his penalties, he's doing the Jorginho hop and uh, he's buried both of them. So he's two for two this season. Bamford was on penalties last year. Uh, for leads and click takes a few as well. So good to see that Bielsa has really elevated his status on the team to put the the scoring on his shoulders and PKs too. We'll save the uh, hop, skip, jump, uh, penalty kick style for the uh, postseason recap. With that, uh, again, those are some amazing questions that we got from our listeners. If you ever have anything you want to have asked on our podcast, please email us. We're at FPL Blues Podcast on social media or FPL Blues Podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you and we'd love to shout you out. So make sure you include your name and you know where we can reach you to make sure that you hear your name on next pod. We're going to take a quick break 
before going through our captaincy shouts and transfer thoughts and then get out of here. All right, we're back. The moment you've all been waiting for, Brian and I, Brian and Bucks, we're going to lie to you about what our transfer moves are. I mean, cut that, cut that. <laughs> These are our transfer and captaincy plans as we are still a day and a half away from the transfer window closing. This is going into game week 17. And we both have a lot of money burning holes in our pockets. So, oh, Brian, Bucks. What are you There's doing? so much uncertain. There's so much uncertainty. And all I want to do is spend all the cash that I have sitting in the bank. We both have miraculously the same amount, 3.8 in the bank, one free transfer each. You just took a hit the previous game week and still had a very productive game week. I'm looking at my team and I'm thinking now might be the time to shore up my bench a little bit. I might need to take a hit. I'm eyeing DeLow in for Shane Duffy. I think that's a transfer that could pay dividends, and he looks to be a solid player for United. I thought he played uh, pretty well in their last fixture, and I think he's just earning that first nod um, over Juan Bissaka. So he's a player that could also rise in value over the next couple of game weeks. So I have my eyes on him. But other than that, Bucks, looking at my team, I have no idea where to go here. I obviously do not have Ronaldo, and I do not have a premium striker in Vardy. So I could do a few things. It really depends on the team news, but I'd like to upgrade Wang over over the next couple game weeks. So I think moving him to somebody like Ollie Watkins might be the move for me so I can have three playing forwards. And Ollie Watkins has a nice little run coming up here where they're going to play Norwich and Burnley. And so I think those are two pretty good fixtures for him. I just don't know if he's going to be more valuable than potentially upgrading Mbomo, who might have his match canceled, but I could go Mbomo all the way to Foden or Mason Mount. And so those those are the three players that I'm considering, Mason Mount, Foden, and Watkins. And Delo, four and, players. And, and Delo, excuse me. It's always more fun to bring on an attacker with your transfer, right? Um, you know, Using a transfer, bring on a 4.5 million pound player is not that exciting, but is something that I need to address at some point. But yeah, still up in the air, Bucks. What about you? What are you thinking? Yeah, it's uh, worth noting that we both have pretty long and extensive watch lists uh, this season. And uh, this is a game week where you're really diving into every potential option. I also have 3.8 million in the bank. My plan coming into game week 17 was to just make the straight swap I was hoping Vardy would feast against Newcastle, and that's just an easy match to swap him to Cristiano Ronaldo uh, as we kind of look ahead to the United fixtures. I'm now not so certain of that move based on what's going on in the world and specifically at Man United. And I think right now my consideration is going potentially, as you mentioned, Mbomo up to a player like Mason Mount or just going Mbomo to Gallagher. I mean, Gallagher seems to just be offering a lot better value for that price. Alternatively, I could also just go Vardy down to Antonio and just have even more cash uh, burning a hole in my pocket, earning uh, you know the absolute minimum <laughs> uh, interest rate. So a lot of decisions that are still yet to be decided. I'm going to be making probably one of those moves. The issue with my team right now 
And we mentioned this earlier. Jao Cancel is for sure flagged. He is not playing because he's suspended. And then I have Ivan Tony, who's coming off COVID and potentially, you know, he's going to be playing United. So that much may or may not happen. And I have Ben Johnson, who again is also out with injury. So right there, Oof. that's that's my three bench. And I have no playing guys there. And then I have Mbomo, uh, who also is in that Brentford side. So he might be missing out. So I have to take a move this game week and I'm just trying to practice patience and practice some strong willpower to not take back-to-back hits uh, in two game weeks. That's really silly way to play the game is just take hit after hit. I mean, last season I finished in a really strong place after taking 11 hits over the course of the season. So far I'm seeing a lot of benefit uh, in my sophomore season, having only taken two hits thus far. So that's the plan. And uh, as always, Mo Salah is going to stay as my captain. I expect he's going to come good in a big way this game week. Yeah, Bucks, too much up in the air right now to really nail down our transfers. But glad we shared our watch list with the listeners. And you want them all, really. You, you want all the best midfielder options at the, at the same time. And it's just uh, not realistic unless you're on wild card. So I would be targeting attackers during this run. Again, I think there are a lot of matches where defenses and teams that aren't deep are going to be prone to mental mistakes and just give up a few extra errors. Like we saw today, Damari Gray tried to pass the ball back maybe 10 yards, maybe way closer than that. And he just flopped it and he gave away a goal to Palace and Gallagher capitalized. And I just think there's going to be situations like that when we're looking at midweek football that uh, happens to these bottom half of the table. So bring on the attackers if you can. Yeah, just a quick plug. I wish we could take a hit and uh, sacrifice the forward position for a sixth midfielder. That would be a really cool chip uh, for the FPL (laughs) game to think about in future seasons, whether there's a way to power up and lose a position in the starting lineup for one spot and add it to another spot. Because this past game week, if you had six midfielders, your score would have been in the triple digits. Whereas, uh, you know, we're just stuck right now with not a lot of really strong forward options and the last couple game weeks big at the back has really proven sour so uh this is a tricky time in the season with all the fixtures you really need to just be practicing patience and also being mindful with your transfer moves um you know if you make a defender transfer as you were talking about with duffy to delo and potentially you take a hit to achieve that move you need a clean sheet to even get the same as if the player just plays the full 90. So that is a, a high risk, low reward kind of plan. The real move and the real value is to target attacking players who, if they return, they could get bonus points and therefore they could go much bigger uh, often than defenders do. Yeah. The only thing that I would add to that box is if you're in a situation where you have no playing bench players, let's say the United ends, Brentford match gets canceled. Taking a hit is really like taking a minus two instead of taking a minus four if you don't have anybody coming off your bench, right? So something else to be mindful of. And if you're going to make one of those moves, you you obviously want to target a player that you're going to hold for, you know, multiple game weeks, you know, four or five game weeks at least. So they repay that uh, hit that you took. So that's just some basic advice I think we would both agree with. That's, right? uh, yeah. Flex. 
That's a, that's a, that's a great point And some solid math uh, being provided by my co-host. That is your forte. I'm not going to get into the numbers and the mumbo jumbo. Uh, with that, I think we've hit the end of our podcast. Uh, we will be back here in just a couple hours time because following game week 17, we have a short break before game week 18. So the hits, they keep on coming and uh, hopefully the green arrows come in bunches. Uh, I know Brian, you got to get back on the right track. I'm trying to just keep ticking on and rising in the rankings, but we want all of our listeners and definitely both of our hosts to be having a strong FPL showing in game week 17 and a lot more green arrows as we look ahead through the festive fixtures. Let's get it bucks. Happy holidays. Catch y'all soon.